You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. And they'll come in early and they're practicing and I have to keep leaving my office and come out here because I can't study. All I've got to do is just listen and praise the Lord. It is just powerful. Thank you so much for that. Matthew chapter 27 here, and we've been looking uh, at the cross and just looking as uh, around the cross, not traditional messages, uh, but just trying to help us to get to understand the importance of all that Christ has done for us. And so tonight we're going to be looking at the case at the crypt. Let's read those verses again. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and begged uh, the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it at his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Uh, so here, the Lord Jesus has been crucified, and uh, he had come for the very purpose of, of purchasing the salvation of mankind, and he has, he has finished that process. Uh, go to John chapter number 19, and we're going to use a lot of verses tonight. I know it's going to be on the screen, but I want you to uh, follow along in your Bible, make some notes uh, as we go along, just sort of highlight these. Uh, because we are going to uh, pull some things together that I think will help solidify uh, the importance of, uh, of why the resurrection was so vital uh, for our salvation. And so John chapter 19, look with me at verse 27. We'll read through verse 30. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now the giver of life hangs lifeless. Just think about that. The one who, who brings life to everything. Everything that has life has life because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever he touches has life. You know what? If the Lord touches your life, you have life. You know, you can be saved and sort of backslide and get away from the light, and you can sort of lose your life. But when the Lord is involved, there's life. It's not empty. So here now we see the giver of life hangs lifeless. He had made that final declaration, it is finished. But it wasn't just the death of Christ on the cross that solidified and paid for our salvation. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll read verses 1 through 4 together here. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. Good to hear the Bible's turning. Amen. 
1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, uh, so which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, but which, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So now, when we are looking at the Gospel, it is not just the death of Christ on the cross, it is the death, the burial, the resurrection. When somebody identifies as a believer and they are baptized, uh, what are they picturing? They're picturing the gospel. Uh, they go down into the water and they picture the death of Christ on the cross. Uh, they were buried and they rose again in newness of life. And so they are symbolizing on the outside, identifying on the outside uh, of their faith, of what the decision was that they had on the inside that they put their faith in Christ. So it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So phase one, as I mentioned this morning, was finished, but there were still some things that had to take place. And so tonight we're going to look at the case at the crypt. So why was the resurrection so vital? What was it that made this, this, this procedure, uh, just, just the death and the burial, those just sort of tie right together. And you know, if somebody dies, they're going to get buried. That's just part of the process. There was, there was nothing unique about that. Uh, but what made this process unique was the resurrection. So uh, the Savior had suffered as that sacrificial lamb for each and every one of us. As the, every sacrifice, that had been made uh, throughout, throughout uh, history of man, uh, we see uh, that, that all of those sacrifices were pointing to the one that John was going to identify when he looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So he had already suffered at that sacrificial, as that sacrificial lamb, and now he had hung on that cross. So go to Deuteronomy, if you would, chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21, and we'll look at verse number 23. Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23. Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. The Bible says, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt uh, in any wise uh, bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. And so here we see some of the scriptures that start pointing uh, at the crucifixion and the cross and how uh, the Lord was already ordained to uh, die on a cross. And, and the, the statement that was cursed was anyone uh, that hung upon the tree. Uh, go to Galatians chapter 3 told you we're going to use our, our Bibles. Uh, we, use, uh, we do a lot of sword drills with the kids in, uh, in the school, and they are fast. Uh, I can't ever keep up with them. I have to get the verses ahead of time because I can't even keep up with the kids. Uh, they are good. Uh, so let's look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13. Galatians 3 
and verse 13. The Bible says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on the tree. So here we're just tying how the Lord is fulfilling all of the uh, all of the uh, the prophecies, all of the things that were said that he had to do and to be, he was fulfilling that. And so when we look at the cross and we look at uh, him dying on the cross, now we're going to look at uh, his resurrection. And so uh, I want you to see several things tonight. We're going to look at four different things about the case of the crypt. And so I want you to see, number one, first of all, I want you to see the declaration. Uh, the declaration. Why was the, uh, the, the resurrection so vital? Uh, first of all, because of the declaration. Look with me in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 21. Matthew 16 and verse number 21. We're going to just work through all these verses tonight. I don't know that I'm going to stay going slow. I might just jump at it, and you're going to have to just hang on. Um, but uh, here, I, w- I want you to see verse uh, 21, Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. Now read that last phrase with me. You ready? And be raised again the third day. You see, there was a declaration the Lord said I am going to do this I am going to go to Jerusalem I am going to suffer many things Uh, I am going to uh, die uh, and be killed he says but I am going to raise again that third day go to the next chapter chapter 17 and look with me at verse number 22 uh, 17 22 and while they abode in Galilee Jesus said unto them the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of men and they shall kill him the third and the third day he shall be raised again and they were exceeding sorry so here again the lord is telling them that he was going to suffer he was going to die but he was going to raise again that third day Uh, go to matthew chapter 20 and look at verse number 17 with me matthew 20 and verse 17 through 19 The Bible says, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, and to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. You see, the Lord foretold his, his resurrection. He had said, listen, this is what I am going to do. He was revealing to them that sovereign plan of God, and the resurrection was a part of that plan. And if the Lord did not rise again, the Lord would have been just another man. He would have been a liar because he told his disciples that he was going to raise again. He was going to rise again that third day. Uh, The Lord had foretold his resurrection. He said that he was going to uh, be, be in the grave three days and three nights. 
Matthew 12, 40, the Bible says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So the Lord had, he had foretold what was going to take place. Not only did he foretell that he was going to die and that he was going to be dead for three days, he told us even where he was going to be. He was going to be in the heart of the earth. Uh, so uh, Matthew 12, 40 teaches us that. Uh, go to, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Uh, and we see here how the Lord, uh, there was a plan. God always has a plan. Sometimes we fly by the seat of our pants. God never does. God always has a plan. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows exactly what we are going to do. And he knows how he is going to combat it. COVID has not stopped God's plan. And in our life, even our failures don't stop God's plan. God, as a sovereign God, knows exactly what is going to take place. And he knows how we are going to act and react. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 8 and 9. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower part of of the earth. Uh, and so here, what do we find? We find the Lord is describing this place that is called paradise. He's describing this Old Testament holding place uh, that the Old Testament saints were in a holding pattern. They couldn't go to heaven because uh, the redemption's price had yet to be paid. And so they went into paradise. Uh, go to Luke chapter 23. A uh, very familiar passage. We'll go to Luke. We'll look at a couple uh, verses here in Luke, uh, Luke twelve uh, twenty three and verse forty three. When the Lord was on the cross, he looked at uh, the thief that was on the cross, and in in Luke twenty three forty three, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't say you're going to be in heaven. He said, you're going to go to paradise. You're going to be with me in paradise. Go back to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And we find a little bit of information about this place called paradise in Luke 16, uh, verses 22 to 26. Luke 20, 16, 22. And it came to pass that as the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou and thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You see, uh, paradise was this Old Testament location uh, that was a divided, and there was a division between the two. They could look from one side into the other side, 
And here, uh, the rich man could see Lazarus, uh, but Lazarus was not in heaven. Lazarus was in paradise. Uh, he had not been set free yet. Uh, we see how there were, uh, they had to be set captivity, had to be set captive, if you would. Uh, so back in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8, he said, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? So here what happened was those that had died and were, uh, were saved prior to the resurrection, uh, they would go into paradise. It was that holding place. Uh, but when the Lord, uh, when he was crucified and when he died and he was in the tomb, the Bible says that as, as Jonas was three days and three nights in the, in the whale's belly, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then it talked about the Lord going down into the innermost part of the earth. What was it? He was going down and he was setting captivity captive. Those Old Testament saints, when the Lord rose again, uh, he took them with him. Uh, they were no longer, paradise is no longer a place. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 5 uh, that hell hath enlarged herself. Uh, why? Because there was a division and one part was for the saints and one part was for the, uh, was for the unbelievers. And, uh, but then after that, and the Lord took those captives captive, uh, let them free, all of a sudden now hell hath enlarged herself. Paradise is no longer a place that is, is used. And so Jesus' declaration to die and then three days later to raise again, it was a process to prove his deity. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 21. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ. Uh, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Uh, then they also uh, which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If, this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Amen. And become the first fruits of them that slept. For since man came death, and by man came also the resurrection resurrection from the dead. And so uh, the, uh, the declaration was there that Christ uh, was the one who was going to, uh, he was going to not only suffer and die, but he was going to uh, be buried and he was going to raise again that third day. And if he did not raise again, then our faith is vain. We are among men most miserable. We are without hope. 
We are still dead in the trespasses and sins. And so the declaration we see there of Christ uh, dying on the, uh, not just dying on the cross, but also uh, being raised again. But we see, secondly, not just the declaration, we see this process of deception that was going on uh, in Matthew 27. And I'm just going to hasten because of time's sake. Matthew 27, verse 62 to 64. You can catch up with me. Now, the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Now you stop and you think about these deceivers. These were people who had deceived. They had denied the Savior. They were trying to deceive people. Uh, these, these chief priests, these Pharisees, uh, they called the Lord. The deceivers called the Lord a deceiver. Isn't it ironic that's normally the case? It's usually uh, how often it is proven that the accuser is the guilty party. And here we see that in this passage of Scripture, uh, how uh, it just reveals itself again to be true. Uh, these self-righteous individuals that are seeking self-promotion here, they're accusing the Savior of being a deceiver, uh, yet uh, everything that he ever said was true. Everything that he ever said came true. And what he said about raising again that third day was going to happen. It was going to ring true as well. Uh, everything that he said was true. Why, why was it all true? Because he is truth. John 14, 6, uh, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth. And the life, no man cometh unto uh, no uh, un the Father but by me. So he is the truth. Now, in this passage, we recognize that they saw their error. They recognized their own error. It said in verse 64, he said, Command, therefore, that the sepulchers made, uh, be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. They already knew that they had made an error. They already knew that uh, they had they had wrongly uh, they had wrongly uh, attacked the Savior, uh, somebody who did good, who's who is uh, whose uh, statement about him it was that he went about doing his epitaph. He went about doing good. You know that that is a pretty amazing epitaph, and that's what the Lord his epitaph was. Yet they went ahead and they. Tried to put him and promote him as being a deceiver. Now, if they were not deceivers, then why did they have to try to fabricate this story? 
We'll, we'll find later that they actually go back and they do fabricate a story and try to blame the disciples for taking the Savior. And you think, well, could that have happened? There is no way that the disciples would have gone and stole the body of the Savior who said that he was going to die three days later, raise again. Uh, they would never have, have gone and taken his body if he did not raise again and hide his body and then die a martyr's death. If the Lord was a deceiver, there was no way that they were going to die as a martyr for a deceiver. But he was not a deceiver. And because of uh, him, uh, his truth, that declaration, uh, there was an attack against him and that deception. Let me tell you, they that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. There is going to be deception and there is going to be battles that we will fight. But the Lord here uh, was, was fighting all of these things that were going on, yet it did not stop him. So we see that declaration, we see that deception. But I want you to see here the decision that were made. Look back in Matthew 27 and verse number uh, 64 to 66. Verse 64 to 66. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his, his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. And Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch, go your way, make it sure as ye can. I love that statement. Go ahead, do what you can. Make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Uh, what, what did they do? Here, uh, they had some military uh, men, that they, these soldiers that came and they had a watch. These individuals were there and they were going to secure uh, that, that tomb that nobody could come, that the disciples could not come. Uh, so they secured it, they sealed it, they made it as sure as they could, but they could not secure that stone. We go back to that deception and go to Matthew 28, verse 11. We see how, how these, these individuals, these deceivers, are, are still trying to, uh, trying to manipulate the situation and cast doubt on the Savior. Uh, Matthew 28, 11 to 15. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this has come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until, until this day. Uh, so here what happened is these soldiers, they're saying, listen, uh, they took a bribe to say, we fell asleep on our watch. Well, the, the uh, Roman rule was that, uh, that if, you were, uh, if you were in charge of a prisoner and they got away, that they would lose their life. 
You remember the, the uh, Philippian jailer? Same thing. Uh, when, the, uh, when they got away, there was that, there was that uh, uh, thought of death, and he was going to take his own life. Why? He knew that he had committed a capital crime. And so here, uh, the, the, uh, the religious leaders, they're coming back, these deceivers, they're coming back, and they're saying, listen, if the governor hears about it, don't worry, we'll take care of you. And uh, you know what? If they're going to lie about about the, the perfect Son of God, I wouldn't put too much trust in them as well. Uh, but here, they were unable to overthrow him in life. And what a blessing, they are still unable to overthrow him in death. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, uh, the Lord, he declared that he was going to not just die, but he was going to raise again. There was deception that he faced. There was a decision that was going to try to overthrow that, uh, that uh, uh, the event of the resurrection. Uh, but what we see is uh, that there was deliverance. Deliverance, number four. There is deliverance. Look at verse uh, chapter 28 and verse number 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. You know what? Gloriously, our Savior rose again. He rose again. And he is not just another man, and he was not a deceiver. He came, and he, he was crucified for us, and he was buried in three days. Uh, he was in the heart of the earth. But then what do we find that that third day he rose again on the first day of the week, and we get to celebrate a risen Savior. We have salvation. Why? Because we have a risen Savior. It wasn't just something that was just another miracle. This was part of God's sovereign plan to give us this gift of salvation. And so the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, the songwriter wrote, up from the grave he arose. A mighty uh, triumph or his or his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Aren't you glad the Savior rose? He rose. He rose for us. You see, Easter, resurrection, we're celebrating a risen Savior. A risen Savior. Our Savior's not dead. That little statement that went out several years ago, God's not dead. He's not. He's alive. He's alive in 2020. He's alive in 2021. He's still alive. And the same Savior that was crucified and buried and rose again for the salvation of your soul, it was for the salvation of those who have yet to believe. And we have to take this wonderful opportunity 
this wonderful story of a risen Savior, and we've got to share it with those that are around us. How can we keep such a wonderful story from others? How can we, how can we hold back and not tell somebody else? Uh, Brother Ron, earlier in the week, uh, sent me a text saying that uh, he got to win somebody to Christ. And uh, what a blessing that that is. And, uh, and, it, and we, are, we are then uh, doing what we're supposed to be doing. The Lord rose again, not just for our salvation, but for those that are still alive and have yet to trust Him. So the case at the crypt it wasn't just another event. It was the Lord proving that He is God. He's alive. And He rose, the Bible says, for our justification. And we get to enjoy this gift of salvation. If you're saved tonight, uh, enjoy the gift. Enjoy the gift. Have you ever bought somebody a gift and you could tell they didn't really like it? I wonder what the Lord feels about the gift that he has given us. Do we show that this is a very important gift to us? Is our salvation, is his sacrifice, is what he did for us, is that truly a gift that, uh, that we are thankful for and that we cherish, uh, that we uphold and we recognize the value of it? Uh, we, should be, we should be just honoring and glorifying the Savior for all that he has done for us. The case at the crypt, we serve a risen Savior. We serve a risen Savior. Now let's serve him. Let's serve him. So, Pastor, I'm getting tired. I know. I know. And there are people that are older than me that have just been on, kept on serving. There are those that are younger that have just kept on serving. There are some that are just in the trying to, trying to get moving and trying to get going in their service for the Lord. Let's just stay faithful serving the Savior. He did all this for us. Let's do something for him. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being a God who keeps his word. Uh, Lord, you said that you were going to rise again that third day, and I'm so thankful that you did. And we get to see all of the events, and we get to see uh, through the scriptures how you showed yourself alive uh, for those days. And we thank you that you did. And now I pray that you would help us, Lord, to just uh, recognize all that you have done for us. And, and may we just be overjoyed that we have a Savior who is alive, who has given us a gift of salvation, and may we take and tell others about this glorious gift. And we pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As the instrument... Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's BBC, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.